Uh, welcome to Tech Talk, uh, an- another edition of Tech Talk. I'm Jim Lake. I'm here with Sean Kramer again. Viking Tech Services answers literally hundreds of emails and uh, phone calls every week. Uh, Tech Talks is just a collection of uh, kind of their greatest hits, if you will, or the um, you know frequently asked questions. This week, as promised, we uh, are coming up with a. We're going to discuss the Fire Cycle Three. Uh, with Sean and uh, first of all Sean it, tell me the, what's the purpose Let, let's let's cover what the scope and purpose of Firecycle 3 was when it was developed what was the overall goal and where, you know how's it how's it done I guess is uh, is the ba- main question how do we do well the basis of our the Firecycle system it's in its third generation now with the Firecycle 3 which we currently offer uh, was a multi-cycling system that actually, once the fire was controlled, would shut itself off. So it would uh, limit the uh, spread of water damage, it limits uh, the amount of water that would be used in the activation event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by shutting itself entirely off, you're shutting the entire system down. Mm-hmm. So rather than uh, in certain situations where you might see multiple devices that would shut down on their own that might be exposed to the fire, with this entire system, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shut down the entire water supply to the entire piping network. Now, the fire were to uh, reactivate one of the detectors, then it would cycle back on and repeat mm-hmm. that process to control the fire. Okay, so it, it was an answer to, to the on-off sprinkler that we that was was out there and and rather than having the little valves out there on the sprinklers this was just a one-shot really efficient way to handle it we that, that we developed yeah, yeah doing it with the entire system okay cool so a couple of questions then now uh, uh, why does uh, why do the fire cycle 3 pre-action systems have two solenoids valves and a pneumatic actuator well, when we look at the Fire Cycle 3 system and the way that it's trimmed out, the Fire Cycle 3 system, if you have loss of your AC power and battery backup, it'll actually convert itself to a dry system. So you still have automatic operation of your system. So the normally closed solenoid on the bottom, that's actually what's controlling the operation of the system when you do have your AC power as well as your batteries supplying the system itself. Now, when it converts itself to a dry system, you have your normally open solenoid on top in line with your pneumatic actuator. So what would happen in that case, the normally closed solenoid valve would never get energized open because it doesn't have any power going to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the normally open solenoid would not get energized closed upon loss of air pressure. Uh, and then a loss of air pressure would open the pneumatic actuator, which is a mechanical device and that would release the priming pressure in order to trip the system. Mm -hmm. One thing to keep in mind when looking at the coils of the two solenoids, they look very similar, but the normally open solenoid actually has a black border around it. So if you ever saw the solenoids and you weren't sure which coil went to which, maybe somebody disconnected them when they were uh, working on the system or something, and you need to make sure you put them back in the the proper location, Mm -hmm. the normally open one will always have that black border where the normally closed does not. Hmm. Okay. Um, why does the trim appear to be the same, whether or not I have a double interlock or a single interlock Fire Cycle 3 pre-action system? It looks the same. 
Yeah, yeah, the trim actually would be the same. Uh, the program that's selected in the panel is what's going to be different. And then the way the normally closed solenoid valve that we were just talking about that actually controls the system, mm -hmm. the way that activates would be different as well. So those that are familiar with our double interlock electric, new electric pre-action system, mm -hmm. it operates with the same principle for the fire cycle system for a double interlock. Mm -hmm. So if we have a single interlock pre-action system for fire cycle, the normally closed solenoid valve is going to get energized open upon activation of the detection alone. If it's double interlock, how it acts like the uh, electric new electric is that that normally closed solenoid on the bottom now, if you get activation of the detection, you'll just get an alarm at the panel, but the solenoid would not be energized open yet. It's going to take loss of air pressure in the piping network to activate your PS40 air supervisory switch so both of those actions have to happen, activation of the detection, loss of air pressure, and now your normally closed solenoid valve is going to be energized open. So it's the same trim, different program in the panel as to how it's gonna control that normally closed solenoid valve. Okay, so let's go to the heart of the matter then. What's the, what type of valve is, is used? I mean, we got the, the, we've talked about some of the trim there, but, but what valve are we using in the, uh, uh, in the Fire Cycle 3? What we're looking at with the Fire Cycle 3 is we're using a flow control valve. It looks very similar to a deluge valve, but it's a different style of valve. And the flow control valve actually has a spring in between the cover and the clapper mm -hmm. on the valve itself. So what happens when uh, that normally closed solenoid valve gets de-energized, you don't close the priming line on the system, so the prime pressure will start to reestablish in the priming chamber, mm -hmm. and with the help of that stainless steel spring that's in between the cover and the clapper, once we reestablish that prime pressure, the spring helps to push the clapper back down onto the seat and cease flow of water into the system. So it's just, okay. It's just a little more efficient then at, at, at helping it out, helping out to reestablish the closed valve? Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. Which release uh, control panels can I use with the Fire Cycle 3? Well, when we look at the Fire Cycle 3 system, if you're looking at an existing system that was installed uh, prior to 2007, you might be looking at what's called an E1 Fire Cycle panel. Mm -hmm. That was the older panel that controlled the system, but moving to 2007 and beyond, what we use now is the Viking VFR400 release control panel. Mm -hmm. So the Viking VFR400 release control panel uh, needs to be used, it's the only panel that you can use because it has software programmed into it for a soak timer. Mm -hmm. This soak timer is what actually shuts down the system uh, once the fire is controlled. Now I get the question a lot, hey your VFR400 looks a lot like the Potter PFC4410. Mm -hmm. And they are very comparable, but that panel does not have that soak timer programmed into it. Mm -hmm. And only the Viking VFR400 can be used with the Fire Cycle 3 systems. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned the soak timer. So let, let's get right into that. Sometimes, it, you know, when, when we're teaching seminars here and when we're, you know, getting questions, it, it, the concept of this soak timer, this is the heart of it really, right? This is the on-off, this is the process. Of we we design the system to run for a certain amount of time and then how does this soak timer and what's a good setting for the soak timer? The question usually is how long do you let it roll? 
Well, the soak timer initiates, so we have a special type of detection, which we'll get into a little bit deeper uh, later on. But there's a special type of detection. Once the detection cools off, mm -hmm. it lets the release panel know that it's went back to its set position out of its activated position. Okay. And when that happens, the soak timer is going to be initiated in the panel. As long as the fire doesn't redevelop and reactivate the detector during the time of the soak timer, once it gets down to zero, that normally closed solenoid valve is going to be de-energized and start to re-establish the prime pressure in the prime chamber of the valve to shut down the system. Mm -hmm. And if the fire were to rekindle, that uh, process would repeat and it'd go through the entire soak timer again. Okay. A very common setting for the soak timer would be five minutes. Mm -hmm. Now that uh, isn't set in stone, it can be adjusted uh, depending upon what the application is and how how long it's um, determined that it might need to run for in order to properly control the fire in that type of application. Okay, so there's no, there's no listing, there's no setting, there's certainly nothing in NFPA 13 that says it's gotta run you know, sprinklers or systems in this in this process have to run a certain amount of time. Right, that's correct. And, and there's quite a wide range of a setting for the soak timer depending upon uh, the type of hazard that's being protected. Okay, so back to the control panels then. How many Fire Cycle 3 systems can be controlled with our VFR 400 lease system or control panel? Well, with the Fire Cycle 3 system, it's going to be one panel per system. Regardless of whether it's single or double interlock reaction, uh, that question is kind of common because uh, if, if, if you've listened to the uh, pre-action podcast before this, you'll hear how we talk about the VFR 400 can control up to two systems in certain situations, mm -hmm. depending upon whether it's single or double interlock. But yeah, with the Fire Cycle system, regardless of whether it's your single or double interlock pre-action system, uh, it's going to be controlled uh, by one panel per system. Okay. Now, you said earlier too that there, you know, we're on a, a third generation of this, so um, what if you've got an older Fire Cycle 2 system and you want to upgrade it to a Fire Cycle 3? Uh, we've got a couple, a few clients that are, are looking at doing that. Um, how do we, how do we, this get provided? How do we provide this? Uh, it's pretty easy to do the upgrade. Now, one thing to keep in mind is the Fire Cycle 2 was only offered in single interlock pre-action system. Mm. So when you do the upgrade, you're upgrading to a Fire Cycle 3 single interlock pre-action system in this case. So in order to do the upgrade, there's some components that are different, like the release control panel. You're going to have to use the VFR 400, so you have to get that. Uh, you're going to have to retrim the valve. We have our trim pack that can be used to uh, retrim the valve with the updated trim for the Fire Cycle 3 system. Mm -hmm. But something that's really nice with it is that you can still leave uh, the detection in place so you don't have to rework all the detection. And you can still use the same valve that was used for the older Fire Cycle 2 system. Okay. So it, it makes it pretty easy to convert it from the Fire Cycle 2 to the Fire Cycle 3 system. All right. So let's go. Let's take a look at our data sheets here. And um, on on the data sheet, it states to locate a couple of different questions here. Now I, I see uh, um, on on the detection system itself on, on the detectors. So on the data sheet, it states that to, to locate detectors between 12 
and 18 inches from a sprinkler. Is, does that mean I, I need one detector per sprinkler? No, and that's uh, commonly um, misconstrued by what's stated on the data sheet is that uh, the question comes up, do I need a detector where every sprinkler is located? And that's definitely not the case. Your detectors have much greater spacing than your, your sprinklers are going to have. But you'll see, uh, if you look at the technical data sheet, in certain instances, it says to put a detector close to a sprinkler. So wherever you have to put a detector, you would want to put it close to the sprinkler in that type of situation. Mm -hmm. The reason for that being is with the fire cycle system and how it actually shuts itself down, once a sprinkler would activate by one of the detectors in the event of a fire, it's going to start to cool that detector off and allow it to reset to its normal set position and activate the soap timer in the panel in order to shut down the system. Okay, so in, okay, so it, it, the next question then is, in using a 155 degree sprinkler with a 140 degree temperature rated Fire Cycle 3 detector, the data sheet shows that spacing of 40 by 40. Can I, can I always use this exact spacing, or is there is there some sort of uh, flexibility in that as well? The spacing starts out as per the data sheet in a perfect situation with a smooth ceiling that's not that high up in the air. Mm -hmm. But what needs to be referred to in this uh, situation is NFPA 72. Oh, okay. As your ceiling gets higher, you start to reduce that spacing based upon a certain percentage in regards to how high your ceiling is. Mm -hmm. Now, if you also have beams in the application, that mm -hmm. can reduce the spacing as well. So that's, that's your starting spacing that's shown right there on the data sheet. Mm -hmm. And then it could be reduced based upon the requirements of NFPA 72. Okay, and that's detailed in our data sheet saying to, con to consult 72 for any changes or? That's correct, yes. Yeah, okay. So those two have to work in, in concert with each other. So uh, the, you know, on our, on our training tab, we, uh, we have, we spend a lot of time here. We have a few modules on the training tab that that deal that address um, you know the Fire Cycle Three system. So you can consult that, everyone. Uh, we we also have one on Virtual Viking. We have a, a Virtual Viking training uh, platform that addresses the, where you can go and interact with the Fire Cycle Three. Uh, is there anything else interesting, cool that you want to talk about as far as the Fire Cycle Three is concerned, or maybe where it's going, or what it's uh, Anything additional to these to these particular questions, Sean? Yeah, one of the things that I'd like to uh, discuss is the special type of detectors that okay. are used with the fire cycle system. Mm -hmm. So in most cases, when uh, we look at uh, heat detectors that would be used with a sprinkler system, mm -hmm. they're typically wired in a parallel circuit. They're typically in the normally open state when they're in the set position. And then once they activate and close, they actually latch in that position until somebody resets the panel. Mm -hmm. And the reason these detectors are so unique, the Model COH for up to ordinary hazard and then the Model B fire cycle detector, is because they're wired in a series circuit now. Mm -hmm. They're normally closed in that series circuit and they're non-latching detectors. So what happens when they activate is with that series circuit, it's gonna open the circuit, 
until the detector cools back off. Mm -hmm. Since they're non-latching detectors, once it cools back off, the detector is going to close, re-establish that series circuit, and that's how the panel knows when to start that soak timer mm -hmm. once this occurs. Mm -hmm. So there are only a couple types of uh, special detection that can be used with this specific type of system. Great. Well, that'll cover it then. Those are, that's the end of our questions. Um, if you've got any questions out there, don't hesitate to contact our technical services uh, our technical services team at Sean phone number and eight seven seven three eight four five four six four or the email address equally important at tech svcs at vikingcorp.com. Great. Thanks. That, that'll cover it for the frequently asked questions on Fire Cycle 3. Join us next week when, I don't know, we'll probably talk about deluge or flow control or something like that, but definitely interesting. Um, great having you here again, and uh, look for us again uh, next week on our uh, another episode of Viking Tech Talks. <laughs>